the EU Council and UK government have come to an agreement to postpone Brexit's fate until January 31st, 2020. An earlier withdrawal is still possible and is likely to trigger new elections in the coming months. In lieu of this development, we would like to revisit the man centered around this story, Boris Johnson. Enjoy this past episode. Have you spoken with uh, Boris? Uh, yes. Very good question. It's the best question you've ever asked. There's a spectrum of opinion about it. One is that he will be the most unsafe pair of hands ever to open a prime ministerial red box. And at the other end, people think here is a man of brilliance and flair who can suddenly, like an alchemist, turn the base metal of Brexit to something shiny and remarkable. Unsuspecting, cunning, enigmatic. Who is the man now charged with carrying the weight of an entire country and holding the keys to its destiny? A man of the people or a product of the institution? Legal writer Con Branch joins again, giving us an update on Brexit status and what their new prime minister plans for. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. So who is the real Boris Johnson? Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Today we have Con Branch, legal writer for Ericsson Immigration Group. Thanks for coming on again. Thanks so much for having me again, Ian. I'm looking forward to talking more about what's been happening in the United Kingdom. Yes, yes. And we do have some recent news from our last podcast, our last episode on Brexit. That's right. Last time we talked about the United Kingdom leadership race that was triggered by the resignation of Theresa May, the former, now former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. I'm about to go to Buckingham Palace to tender my resignation to Her Majesty the Queen and to advise her to ask Boris Johnson to form a new administration. Since then, Alexander Boris de Pfeffer Johnson, or Boris Johnson, de was, Pfeffer. De Pfeffer, de Pfeffer. That's okay. right. Um, was named Prime Minister of the United Kingdom after winning the leadership race. He went through the hand-kissing ceremony, as it's called, with the Queen, and he is mm-hmm. now in charge of the United Kingdom. Hand-kissing ceremony. That's right. This is, this is different from America. That's right. There's no uh, swearing in. There is yeah. no inauguration. Yeah. Theresa May went to the palace on the 24th of July and announced that um, she would no longer be able to serve as prime minister and recommend uh, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson was then called to Buckingham Palace to meet with the queen, and the queen asked that a government be formed in her name under his leadership. And he went forward and did that and named his cabinet and has begun the work of leading the United Kingdom. And we're going to fulfill the repeated promises of Parliament to the people and come out of the EU on October the 31st, no ifs or buts. And we will do a new deal, a better deal, that will maximise the opportunities of Brexit while allowing us to develop a new and exciting partnership with the rest of Europe based on free trade and mutual support. With that, it becomes official. With that, it's become official. That's correct. Okay. Just who is this Boris Johnson? Sure. Uh, Boris Johnson is, he was actually born in the United States, born in New York City. Mm, Um, Interesting. He grew up in Brussels, went on to be educated in the United Kingdom, going to Eton College, the well-known private institution that's there, and then on to Oxford University. Um, After studying there, he went on to do a bit of work in print media as a uh, journalist and as a publicist and made his way into politics, being elected as a conservative, um, the mayor of London, rose to fame um, as the mayor of London during the 2012 Olympics 
politics and later on being appointed a member of the cabinet for the prime minister of the United Kingdom under uh, two prime ministerships, the first one being for David Cameron and then again for Theresa May. Got it. So how did he rise and get to a place where he could assume this position? As um, mayor of the city of London, he was quite prominent in the workings needed to put things in place for the 2012 Olympics. He drew attention from the world and from, uh, of course, um, people in the United Kingdom because of the way that he handled himself, his kind of familial um, manner, his down-to-earth way that he'd address questions, Mm -hmm. appear in news, and as a member of the House of Commons. So he presented himself as like a people's politician. That's right. Right. The phrase that's being used right now is Heineken Tory. As we know, Tory is a phrase that's used for conservatives. And the image of the Tory was always someone who was kind of highborn, someone who might have been distantly related to a peer. We think of, for example, the well-known Tory prime minister, um, Sir Winston Churchill, who was related to the one of the premier dukes in the United Kingdom, the Duke of Marlborough, born in Blenheim Palace, or Baroness Thatcher, Lady Thatcher, who was prime minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, so elitist in yes sense. <laughs> some would say Basically. elitist um, right. you know well educated having gone to oxford or eaten and all these other great institutions boris johnson is kind of different from that and as the front man for the london olympics he famously got stuck on a zip wire his game was very very well organized get me a ladder <laughs> if any other politician anywhere in the world got stuck on a zip wire it would be you know Disastrous for Boris, it'll be an absolute triumph. Uh, there's no run. He, um, he defies. He defies all forms of gravity. You know, he's not your parents' Tory. He's kind of the Tory of today, who's up Tory on social today. media and approachable and interesting, and can be made into a meme or something like that. So, with this Tory of today, now that he's in office, uh, what is his uh, vision that he has, uh, particularly for Brexit? A lot of people know uh, Boris Johnson because of the campaign that he led. He was very active in the Leave EU EU. uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And right now, his plan is to leave the European Union with or without a deal on October the 31st. A new deadline that was given while Theresa May was still prime minister. Mm -hmm. He's made quite clear that he is a fan of leaving the European Union, even if that means there is no deal. Um, And so that's the situation now. He's currently renegotiating a deal with leaders in Brussels on what it would look like for the United Kingdom to leave the European Union. But the possibility of a no-deal Brexit is very much circulating in the cabinet and um, being made aware of by people in the United Kingdom. Which is a pretty strong stance. It is a very strong stance. um, But it's a a stance that a few members of his cabinet are quite comfortable with, Hmm. Um, though he has some individuals in his cabinet who are not supporters of Brexit. It's certainly the situation now for the government, the possibility and the likelihood of a no deal with Brexit. Right. So uh, with those cabinet members is quite a mix in terms of those who want to remain in the EU and those who want to leave. What is the makeup of the cabinet members and what's the overall vision that they have if it comes down to that point on October 31st? I think that every member of the cabinet now is in the situation where they're, they've accepted that Brexit is going to happen and mm-hmm. there will be no new referendum or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Some of the members that he selected 
um, were formerly against leaving the European Union. For example, uh, Sajid Javid, who is now Chancellor of the, of the Exchequer and kind of his number two in the House of Commons, um, was a proponent of remaining in the European Union, but is mm. now having accepted a position in his cabinet, presumed to be going along with leaving the European Union. You have someone else in his cabinet, for example, the new Home Secretary, Preeti Patel, who mm. was a very, very big proponent, was kind of the poster child, the the it girl for um, leaving the European Union. You have these two members, along with the new Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, who was previously um, in charge of creating the deal for leaving the European Union, who resigned under Theresa May because he was not a fan of the policy. So you have everybody who's kind of walking in line with the need to leave the European Union. The question is how that's going to look. Um, And some of them are in favor of a deal. Some of them are not. Um, But what I can say is one of the individuals who ran against Boris Johnson, um, Michael Grove, he is now Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, Hmm. um, which is a crown role. He serves as the Queen's representative because one of her titles is Duke of Lancaster, Hmm. and she draws uh, income from there. Ministers have on-paper and off-paper duties, and that's his on-paper duties. His off-paper duties, however, are to prepare for um, the United Kingdom leaving the European Union without a deal. Got it. So they're committing to this if it comes down to it. It seems like they're quite comfortable with the idea of leaving the European Union without a deal in place. That's a reality that they've accepted, and that's something that um, now Prime Minister Johnson has made quite clear Um, In fact, in a visit that he had to Wales, he made quite clear that the United Kingdom will be leaving the European Union with or without a deal. This is shortly after he had assumed office as prime minister and reinforced that obligation that he has to the British people. And that really does impact their industry, right? Especially in Wales. Um, Wales right. has a, for example, farming industry. Welsh, mm-hmm. uh, Wales is a, a, a country known for its farming, mm-hmm. um, and it's a £6 billion industry. Farmers are, of course, extremely concerned about the prospect of a no-deal Brexit, with some of them talking about civil unrest. Even though he was at a chicken farm today, other farmers have been warning that the 40% tariffs, the uncertainty about the markets that they'll sell into, and the uncertainty about the subsidies that they rely on means that they aren't fans of that no-deal prospect. Boris Johnson, for his turn, told them that his government will look after them in the event of a no-deal Brexit, but didn't spell out how. There is the expectation that tariffs can affect the industry to the to the number of about 40%. Um, 40% of Welsh lamb farmers will be smacked with tariffs. Tariffs that will yeah. make the um, exportation of their goods far more difficult than it is now. That's so. stacked along with the issues in the way of international affairs, with the question still being um, sorted out with the Irish border, with the relationship for importation and exportation, for example, from Germany and Spain, um, which can uh, which would drastically affect the ability of the United Kingdom to produce manufactured good, goods mm. as the uh, mechanical pieces that are created, for example, in Germany with the German steelworks, well known r- throughout the world, mm-hmm. um, costing a great deal more to be imported in the United Kingdom and raising the cost on exportations um, okay. from the United Kingdom. Yeah, and that sort of leads into the economics of Brexit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's been a, a pretty consistent decline, actually, in the value of the pound. Right now, the pound having its worst day of the year going back to December of last year at the lows, the worst day since November of last year at two-year lows, actually closer to two-and-a-half-year lows. So really getting hit on the fears of a no-deal Brexit. The economists are saying that it's 
the currency has lost nearly 3% of its value. That's right. Uh, since Boris Johnson's been in office. That's right. About a year ago, I think it was the end of 2018, uh, the Economist did a, they do these end of the year awards. And in their end of the year awards for 2018, they gave the, they gave the, the prize to Boris Johnson for the worst in British politics. Um, and so there was scathing. already yeah. the expectation that his leadership would do some harm. With his coming into power, economists and and business leaders have looked at the situation in the United Kingdom and they don't have as much trust in the pound sterling hmm. which has led to a, a decrease in buying of the pound sterling one thing we could say for certain is that you have far more uncertainty in 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 the pound relative to other currencies so even if you don't want to play it against a dollar you could play it against a euro you could play it against a yen that's one of the great advantages of the currency market but given all this lack of sort of information out there, the British pound is sort of the last place that you would want to be relative to the dollar. I, I recall reading somewhere that there's the expectation that four or five year projections would show an overall decrease in the British economy, the right. possible threat to overall industry and the relationship that the United Kingdom has not only with Europe and trade and exportations, but the global economic community as well. Yeah, some projections are up to at least a, a decline in 2% uh, by the end of 2021. But this is if there's a, a no-deal Brexit, and this these are just projections. Right. Right. So we should have a final decision by October 31st, correct? So October 31st is currently the deadline. The United Kingdom has that deadline set forward by the European Union. Whether or not they will be leaving with or without a deal is still up in the air. For more content and immigration updates, please visit our website at eiglaw.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG Nerds Podcast to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And I appreciate you coming here and giving us a great update on international news. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I'll, figure, good. I'll, good. Figure that, I'll figure that. Yep. I'll figure that.